0: we are into one of the last passages in Acts where we see Peter the Apostle uh, leading as he does. Uh, We've been on this amazing journey, if you're you're visiting or maybe you haven't been here for this whole process, we started following Peter through his discipleship with Jesus and all the mistakes and problems and things with learning and and growing as a disciple. Uh, And then we've started this series and we're only one away from finishing uh, lead where we get to see the fruit of that discipleship that uh, Peter has been through and what it turns into in terms of Christian leadership. And so this morning we're going to continue that together. Marilyn Withers reminded us actually it's quite a comfort to to um, walk this journey with Peter because of all of the things that he's done. We can together at some point in his journey go that's me there. Uh, yep that would have been me there. Um, the thing is we, we can do that with all of Peter's fumbling around and mistakes as, as, as a follower, as a, as a disciple. Often we can't put ourselves in the place of leadership. We really can't see ourselves there, um, even though God has been bringing us through these things and into a new season. And so uh, this morning we're gonna continue along that story. Um, it's amazing. When you when you read a lot of Peter's story, just how influential the power of the Holy Spirit is as he's journeying along, and just how amazing for a Jewish believer, uh, raised as a Jew, that he can embrace the Spirit, and and walk along that journey with him. And so, um, yeah, we move from the miraculous occurring in in form of an angel and the Spirit doing what the Spirit does, to seeing the outworking of the Holy Spirit in and through his leadership. And so this morning we're going to continue that journey um, as, he, as he gathers this community in Jerusalem. But as I do, let's, let's pray before we open the word. Our Lord, it's a privilege to come together as your body and to open your word and have you speak to us by your Spirit through it. Father, as we, as we reflect, as we chew on this, as we are made uncomfortable, as we are pushed outside our comfort zones, Lord, uh, may your spirit gently guide us. Uh, may your spirit um, enlighten us. Uh, Lord, anything that is of, not of you and not of um, your word, may that fall away and may only those things that you called us to sit central in our minds. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, if you have your Bibles, you can follow along. We're in Acts 15, and we're going to be looking at about 20, 25 verses in Acts 15 and in different parts, but um, you can follow along. We're going to have it on the screen, and Jordan's going to follow me as I, as I read along. So verse one, verse one of chapter 15, certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers. I'll pause there for a second. We have evangelists who have left this area, Judea, down where Jerusalem is, and they're heading towards Antioch, which is up near uh, modern-day Turkey and Syria, and they're doing a bit of a road show. They're taking the gospel out um, to the communities far and wide, some of Paul's missionary journeys, and uh, they get to Antioch, where, where Paul and Barnabas are, and they're spreading this message of hope. Herod's dead. We heard about that last week. And so the ability for the gospel to go out further has has had its borders broken down. And so we've got these evangelists heading around, all right? And then they drop one of these on them. Unless you are circumcised, according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So here come these evangelists, and they drop this message on them. Uh, And Paul and Barnabas uh, are wrestling with this. And so Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go to Jerusalem, up to Jerusalem, to see the apostles and elders about this question. So they felt these guys were sent up there to share this message. They disagreed. Their experience disagreed with what was going on. And so they said, we're going back down to Jerusalem, this main council for Christian living and life and doctrine. We're going to go down there and we're going to challenge them on this because we don't believe through our experience and what God is doing by His spirit that this is right. The church sent them on their way, so that's good. And they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria. And as they did so, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders to whom they reported everything God had had done through them. Now, this is everything. Paul and Barnabas are hearing all of the stories that they've gathered as they've seen the spirit moving among people who are not Jewish. Okay? And then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees, those guys, stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. So they get up there and they get the same message. Now there's two brilliant things at play here. One, I think, is an example of leadership that seeks to be collaborative and consultative. Okay? It very much sits at the heart of who we are as Baptists. We come together to seek the mind of Christ around God's word and we discern what he might be saying to us here and now. I love that element about it. But there is this other element, which is a pastoral response to those outside the Jewish tradition. Okay? They're wrestling with this. What does it mean to be a Gentile believer? And uh, they have clearly encountered the risen Jesus and the Holy Spirit, but we want to enforce some of the rules. Now, as Baptists, this coming week we have our annual Hui, or what we call the, used to be called the Assembly. Uh, you may be aware that I'm currently the chair of the Baptist Assembly Council, an elected council uh, by the people. And we're tasked on behalf of the many Baptist churches, about 240, 250 around the country, um, on discerning the Word of God together. And all things to do with vision, doctrine, tradition, all these elements, that is part of what we do between assemblies, between annual gatherings. Um, And as you know, Craig was very much a part of that as leader. Now, this year, we've been wrestling with the thought around euthanasia. Now, euthanasia is a really big topic in society at the moment. We together have wrestled with this at every single meeting this year. It's something that has been growing and growing within us. What does the word of God have to say about the sanctity of life? And how do we lead our people in reflecting well and drawing others into that conversation? And you'll see um, through uh, a number of different avenues, uh, people uh, engaging with that um, at a a government level and and a political level. Um, Our national leader gets to meet with the prime minister twice a year, along with all the other leaders uh, within denominational lines, um, this is one of those things that they are bringing strongly uh, to Jacinda's attention. The question I often ask myself when it comes to evangelism, and especially to to new believers, um, especially after being a youth pastor for so many years, is: Have we unwittingly made things that are that we find comfortable, uh, that we are comfortable with, but which are not taught? in the Bible, into basic prerequisites for Christian involvement? We we do it. There's so many ways in which we do it. What are the things that we have done that with? You see, the Judaizers in Jerusalem felt that Gentiles should become Jews if they are to become true Christians. You have to be like us. You have to do all the things like us but they're wrestling with this experience that actually God is doing what God does and we haven't done those things. The Holy Spirit is speaking into and among us. They must be circumcised. There are certain traditions which we are very glad passed way back there, isn't it? Imagine the hosts on the door on a Sunday morning I don't think we'd have too many volunteers uh, after a week or two. Uh, please step into this, this box over here, <laughs> We need to check your credentials. <laughs> Philistine, out! Um, but this is, this is the kind of thing that we wrestle with in our modern society, right? I wonder if we here at Bethlehem Baptist have bought into any extra biblical requirements personally or as a church uh, that need reviewing, might I suggest need abolishing. You know, it wasn't that long ago where, you know, for Baptists, and you, some old Baptists in the room, uh, for Baptists, the, uh, the very thought of sexual immorality, you know, whoo, but it paled to dancing. <laughs> How many of you? Dancing, woohoo, sin greater than sexual morality. Dancing leads to sex, you know, don't go there. Um, There's a few Baptists laughing, but they saw the movie Footloose and they thought, you know, woo, look out, we've been liberated. Um, Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about when I said Footloose, eh? Those under 30, woo, will not have a clue. Um, Kevin Bacon, check it out, all right. You see, for Paul and Barnabas, what infuriated them was the fact that this rule that the Jewish believers were trying to enforce created unnecessary barriers for Gentile believers to come and to know Jesus. The very salvation that they were preaching was being, you know, set at a really high bar and there was a whole bunch of barriers. This is one of them. Why would you do that? It's no longer relevant why will, you know, we, we read that Peter goes on. Let's go to that one. Let's turn it on. That might help. My bad. <laughs> Back one. We see Paul saying these words in Ephesians. He says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not by works, not by physical barriers you put in place, lest anyone should boast. This is a revelation that Paul had as a leader, as he saw and as he experienced these people coming to faith. He understood what was going on there. And Paul understood God's love as a new covenant believer. Jesus was the complete fulfillment of the law. Okay, we we read that in Romans, we read that all the way through the New Testament. But right here, they're wrestling with that. They're wrestling with the other Jewish believers for this very thing. You see, his first-hand experience, Paul and Barnabas, that's why they're so infuriated, was refuting this this extra-biblical claim. I wonder, are we much different? Are there things within our own sphere of influence, our understanding of Scripture and the Bible and what God has called us to, that we have made a rule, uh, that we have put into practice that actually has nothing to do with this. This is our standard, right? I like how, <laughs> like how we dress. You know, it wasn't too long ago, um, Brian in his shorts would have been kicked off the stage. We don't want to see those sexy hairy legs, Brian. Yeah, we laugh, but it's true. Maybe, um, maybe Mana with his leading with his hat on. Ooh, no hats in church. These are the kind of things that would have would have been enforced in our midst as a, as a congregation once upon a time. Maybe uh, whatever your ethnicity is, you have to leave it at the door. Check that at the door because in here there's no ethnicities. If you're Maori, do you have to approach faith in the same way a Pākehā might? Maybe if you're, if you're Spanish-speaking or you're Japanese, do you, does that all just get put aside for the way we do things? I don't think so. You see, I want to ask you, what ways are we creating barriers to explorers to the faith? Are we setting bars too high that even we can't reach them, but we expect them to? These are the barriers we create. And how has has culture and humanity changed so much so that once dancing was not okay and today it is? We're talking 20 years maximum. This is how we need to wrestle with scripture and understand how God is working among us. All right, let's move on to Acts 15 again. where We're going to go to uh, verse 6 to 12. And Jordan can follow me along again. The apostles and the elders met to consider this question. Okay, so this council was gathered. They've come down. They're bringing these, these thoughts to them. And after much discussion, Peter, who's among that council, a Jew, he got up and he addressed them. He said, brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips, a Jew from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God who knows the heart showed that he accepted them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between them and us, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? See, Peter's a Jew. He's, he's wrestling with this himself. He knows the Torah inside out. And he's going, oh, we do this. Why do we do this? I understand faith. In fact, next week when Craig's back, he'll be speaking from Galatians 2. And Galatians 2 is, is Peter and Paul having this wrestling match about faith and, and works, and, and, and they nutted it out in that passage. And this is, this is the result of leadership discussing and working through Acts 15 as a result of Galatians two. And then goes on to say, No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. That's that's big for Peter. The whole assembly became silent as you would. A Jew standing up and and making a, a play for the Gentile believers. And they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles and through them. They shared that testimony. This is what God's doing. This is what the Spirit is doing. Pay attention. It's got nothing to do with your extra biblical rules. God is at work. You see, throughout history, Christian leadership has had to wrestle with what aligns with Scripture and Revelation and of the Spirit of God among men and women. In the fourth century, is one that didn't work. And In the fourth century, uh, they created a creed some of you know it as the Nicene Creed. Uh, well, in the 6th century, um, it got amended by a council. Whew. Some of these councils don't work, all right? Uh, and then it's, uh, they added a term in there. Uh, so it was the spirit proceeds from the father, and they put, and the son, meaning from Jesus as well. And 1,400-odd uh, years later, they still haven't worked that one out. The Eastern Western, Eastern Orthodox Western Christianity still at loggerheads over this theologically. Now bring us forward to today and many of our modern day churches are still wrestling with things like woman in leadership. Um, we here at uh, BBC, thankfully, um, as a church, we've moved to a firm woman in leadership among us. We have some amazing preachers. Uh, Monica's preaching tonight. We've had great leadership among us in terms of Michaela. We've got to a point where we have accepted and believe that this is good and right. And according to God's word, read in context, we believe this is right for now. Craig, uh, our senior pastor, talks a number of times about uh, open-handed issues and closed-handed issues. Um, Closed-handed issue, for instance, would be same-sex marriage. We talked about uh, this a little bit here in this very auditorium um, a couple of years ago. Three years ago, we, we wrestled with this. Um, woman in leadership, an open-handed one, we believe. Uh, for me, this is issues that do not affect salvation. They are the open-handed issues. These issues of woman in leadership, does that, does that mean I'm not going to go to heaven? No, no. I think, I think probably we've, we've read some of these things out of context. Um, is, is the way that we dress matter to whether or not someone comes to faith no, open-handed. Doctrinal issues that are closed-handed, as I say, things like marriage and same-sex attraction, those sorts of things we have wrestled with and have come to a point of acceptance that there is one way around that. And especially for the Baptists in this very room three years ago, they voted overwhelmingly, I think it was 98%, that we believe in the biblical mandate of one man, one woman in marriage. Close handed issue. Yet our experience, and dare I say it, some of our possibly blind, ingrained, unbiblical prejudice shape a response that is exclusive of individuals and even groups that God wouldn't exclude. Our open-handed issues can create barriers to people. And so I wonder... What non-negotiables have ingrained in you that exclude and create prejudice even in this very room? I wonder, I know for me, there's been things over my life that, that God has, has really drawn me to and said, Rob, this, is, this has got nothing to do with my word. This is something that someone told you once and you've, you've just lived into it. It has nothing to do and he's, he's taken me through that. I've had a great example this week come to me, and one of the prejudices that I have came to life. Um, I don't know if any of you have uh, seen the guy James Corden. Uh, James Corden is an English-born late-night show host, um, and he's recently become famous over the last couple of years for a, a skit he does in there called Carpool Karaoke. Who knows what I'm talking about? There's a few. All right. And uh, so he, he feigns you know, breaking down or not being able to get to work and then he gets picked up by someone famous or he picks someone famous up to help him. And uh, they end up being a singer or a songwriter and they, they do some karaoke in the car to their songs. Um, and basically it's a creative way of doing a, an interview. Well, this week he started something new um, called air pool karaoke. So um, he missed his plane and someone, you know, he had to ring someone, and it just happened to be Kanye West, right? And he says, you know, I want to, uh, I, need, I need to get somewhere. Can you give me a hand? And he says, yeah, come jump on my plane. Anyway, because <clears throat> we all have one of those in the shed. <clears throat> and Kanye has been through a rather radical salvation experience recently. Uh, and has this past week actually launched an album called Jesus is King. Wow! I mean, I I know. That's what I did when I heard about this. Now, if you don't know who Kanye is, hand up. Yeah, there's quite a few of you. (laughs) Who knows who Kim Kardashian is? Yeah, 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 there's a few more. He's married to her, okay? Um, And uh, they both have a rather infamous uh, past. Uh, There's a whole lot more um, to their lives that are public than ours, and you get to see a whole lot of that and the journey they've been on. And so it just kind of built a little bit of a prejudice um, in, in a lot of people when on the internet at the moment, there's a few Christians talking about this. Um, so Kanye came to faith through a very small, relatively conservative um, church led by a pastor named Adam, Adam Tyson, literally a church of about 300 people. And Kanye walks in the door one morning, he doesn't know who he is. And he's just doing his pastorly thing, and said, hey bro, and, you know, and they starts discipling him and uh, weeks have gone by, he started his own Sunday service, he calls it, um, and everyone was like, what? Is this just a PR stunt, you know, like Kanye West? Um, and uh, he's, so he, he, he's had all sorts of TV celebrities turning up, movie, you know, like Brad Pitt and you know George Clooney, these kind of people are coming along to his Sunday service. And so I wanted to show you a short snippet to get your judgment um, on my prejudice. Uh, and uh, I'll, I'll just, I'll share it with you now. Jesus, walk.
1: Jesus, walk. Jesus, walk with me, with me, with me, with me, To the hustlers, killers, yeah. murderers, drug dealers, even the strippers. Jesus wants to them. To the victims of welfare, for we living in hell here, hell yeah. Jesus wants to them. I hear he, hear he, want to see thee more clearly. I know he hear me when my feet get weary, cause we're thee almost nearly extinct. We rappers as role models, we rap, we don't think. I ain't here to argue about his facial features. We're here to turn atheists into believers. I'm just trying to say the way school need teasers, the way Katharine needed reasons. That's the way I need Jesus. So here go my single dog, Radio Neezus. They say you can rap about anything except for Jesus. That means gone sex, lies, videotape. But if I talk about God My record won't get played ha! Well if this take away from my spins which you probably take away from my ends I know it take away from my sins Bring the day that we dream about Next time we're on a plane everybody screaming out Jesus, God show me the way Cause the devil tried to break me down Jesus, The break only thing me, that I prayed me. Is that my feet don't fail me now Jesus, And I don't think it's nothing I could do now To right my wrongs Jesus, I want to talk to God, people. I ain't afraid. What do you say to people who would say, and there will be people that will say, I don't believe it. I don't believe the reawakening of the Kanye saying he's having. I don't believe if I look at the last two, three, four, five years of his life, I don't believe that this can be as uh, night and day as it is. Do you know what I mean? Well, that's that, you, what... that you would be one day living your life in one way and now saying everything is for this. I'm not sure I believe it. What would you say to those people? Well, I'd say, when you go to sleep, would you agree that you are asleep when you are asleep? And when you wake up, would you agree that you are awake? When you are awake, would you agree that that those are two different states? People who don't believe are walking dead. They are asleep. And this is the awakening.
0: Wow. Um, You can see from their video, there's a genuine faith going on there, the development of faith. And it's fascinating because... I was like, hmm, something smells fishy. Um, That often happens with celebrity sort of things like this. Are they just trying to get their likes up and to sell the next album or something like that? But as I've read and, and looked at these things over the last week, I've had to question my own prejudice. What is it in me that doubts the validity of his faith? Well, you know, I can look at his past because his past is far more accessible to me than yours is, than mine is, right? It's online, he's, he's got this business, he's married to this woman, they've had these things going on in their life that we all know about. And as his shorter testimony suggests in the end there, it is as stark as being asleep to being awake. And so I wonder, who have we excluded when grace and faith have called us to include them? because of those prejudices that are built up inside of us. Those things that we say, actually, you know what, God, they don't fit this perfect mold, this perfect box that I have for them. Maybe the new believer doesn't fit the stereotype of a good Christian, uh, the relational grid that we put everyone through. You know what I'm talking about. They're different. Maybe, maybe it's as simple that um, I, they're disabled, and I don't know how to work with disabled people. Maybe it's they're deaf and and I don't do sign language. These are all excuses we make because we've built up prejudice in our minds. And maybe it's because they've got a different ethnicity. How can we embrace and include? This is what Peter is pushing. Actually, I'm convicted by the spirit. We need to include the Gentiles in this. I had this guy that sat at the back of my church, black bucket hat, you know, black, singlet, black shorts, he's about six three and 4 foot wide. Massive Maori dude, sit there, dark glasses on. Um, an imposing figure, he used to be a gang member. No one would go and speak to him. No one would. He's a lovely guy. Um, we worked, walked in the first day, gave him a hongi, just like, hey bro, nice to see you. Where'd you come from? Now if people had taken the time to get to know Mark, they would know that he's an ex-gang member who leads people to Jesus from gang backgrounds. In fact, he, he has a ministry that um, helps gang members get off pee, and him and his wife, who is actually a, a district court judge, uh, actually uh, no prejudice there, eh? Uh, brings them to faith. Had people known who he was, would have been a bit different, eh? But no one went and asked, hey bro, what's your name? And it distressed him a little bit. And I said, oh, bro, you know the pastor, it's all good. Um, But I wish people had worked on those prejudices. And see, Peter appeals to the Jerusalem council um, was that God did not discriminate between them and us, that they could receive the Holy Spirit. A new era had begun. God is at work. We just need to join him in it. Mm -hmm. We need to check some of those things at the gate wise and bold leadership on Adam Tyson's part along with the genuine conviction of the grace of God on Kanye's life as seen uh, in that video created something different and I I look forward to seeing what the impact has across the globe actually um, in regard to this so there's one last movement in this passage I want us to look at and again I'll get um, Jordan to follow me in this it's from verse 13 to 21. He says, when they finished, James, okay, who's not the one that died in Maryland's sermon last week, okay, that's the brother of John, sons of Zebedee, sons of thunder. This is James, Jesus' brother. He's now in charge of the Jerusalem council, a council that is having a massive influence since Herod's death. And the scriptures and the, um, the testimony of God is, is spreading far and wide. And the brothers, he said, Listen to me. He's in charge. He's listened to what's going on. He says, Simon, who's called Peter, has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this. As it is written, he goes straight to scripture. Amos 9. After this, I will return and build David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild. Jump down to verse 19. And then it says... It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, and then he adds what seems like a bunch of rules. But let me tell you, he says, instead, we should write to them telling them to abstain from polluted foods by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals from blood, for the law of Moses has Uh, being preached in every city, and from the earliest times it's being read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. Not because salvation was in question by these things, but they were in a society that saw these things and attributed them to something other than Jesus, something other than the gospel, something other than what the Holy Spirit was doing among them. There, I would say, they asked this question, We should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning. This is the words they use. The thing is, although circumcision was put out, there's no need for circumcision. What they're saying is there's no need for offence too. We can actually create barriers to the gospel and to the movement of Jesus among people by causing offence to what their sensitivities are within society. James is a smart guy. Says scripture is always our standard for faith and practice. The law of Moses was known and articulated regularly everywhere. These prohibitions that he's put in there, these things, as I said, to keep them away from. We have we have things like this in our society, right? Let's take alcohol, for instance. Alcohol is one of those modern examples that there is no clear consensus. Um, or scriptural ground for a total prohibition, okay? Not in here, not in here. Maybe in here, maybe in here, but not in here. But where some, and there'll be people in this room who sit on both sides of this, all right? Where some say no alcohol at all, and others say it's okay to drink alcohol, there is nothing in here that says either, okay? Now, I want to create... The, the space for those who say I want total abstinence around this. Why? Because why do we need to offend people? If, I, if, if they don't drink, I don't go to their house and try to drink at their house. Okay? If you come to my house and you don't drink, okay, you don't have to drink. The point of these things was to create a space into which we didn't create barriers for others. Jeremiah, uh, sorry, uh, 1 Corinthians 9, I became all things so that I might win some to the, uh, and to the Jews I became a Jew. This is, this is Paul's words later on. Buddhism, Islam, Hinduism, they all see alcohol as a sin. You see, the very opposite can occur for those who've been recently liberated. And so the idea really is that where are we causing needless offence? You see, the thing is, these are the barriers we create. We say to people, this is is a standard you must meet to be saved? No, no. no. Is this the standard you need to meet to be among us as a community? No. No, no, no. That's not right. See, scripture and experience shape doctrinal formulation. Okay? And that moves with time. Okay? This gives us the space to flex in our world you don't need to become a Pakia to become a Christian you don't need to adopt cultural practices of one or the other in fact you may need to lay down some for the sake of another you don't need to pray in English there's about 20 different language groups in this room pray in your language in your mother tongue let me tell you something there's something powerful about it someone thinks you're praying in tongues All you're doing is praying in Spanish, or Chinese, or Japanese. You don't have to lay those things down. Brooke Liggerwood, her name's Brooke Fraser, we know her as, she wrote um, all of her albums she's done um, in Spanish as well, and actually in three languages. She learnt to speak Spanish so that she could sing these songs and for those in the majority, and this is a huge amount of the population who speak Spanish, that they could hear those beautiful words of scripture sung in their own tongue. And it's amazing, you can watch a documentary online about that. These are the kinds of things that we're being called into from this, um, this passage in Acts 15. Wise and bold leadership on all of our behalf. This is what Peter's calling us to. Are you ready to go with him? Why don't you stand with me as I close? this morning. James and Peter and the Council of Acts 15, their words echo into our era. And they have a power of what wise and bold leadership achieves in our midst. And I believe that decision and that wrestling with the scriptures way back then is continuing to have a ripple effect among us today. I want to close with a prayer in a minute, but I want to ask you to ask yourself some questions. I want you to ask God to reveal in his infinite wisdom and his love for you, where might we in our own faith walk create space rather than stumbling blocks for those new to faith? For those from a different ethnic background, for those who aren't like me, how can we create that space for them to find Jesus and know Jesus? And where might we have, uh, you know, where we might have exerted or inherited extra biblical standards or traditions that may have created a legalism that repels, where God's grace and faith has called us to embrace, Lord, reveal that in us. It's not an easy revelation for us, but it's something that the Holy Spirit wants to draw us into and mould us gently and lead us to for the sake of of the kingdom. Let's take that moment and just still ourselves and I'll close in prayer. Lord God, I'm just so grateful that you sent your Holy Spirit who brings us into all truth and all knowledge of you but also gently leads us into a new way of life, that progressive sanctification. Spirit, we pray this morning that you would come and you would reveal, even as we are coming and going this week in our daily life, that you would speak to anything that excludes or creates prejudice for those who may want to be a part of faith and life. Lord, reveal those things to us. Even within this room, Lord, may we become a people who are open, who are careful about one another, about leading one another further and deeper into you. May we not create barriers within that, but you would lead us and guide us by your spirit. And as we go from here, Lord, Would you bless us and would you keep us? Lord, would would you make your face to shine upon us and be be gracious to us? Lord, turn your face toward us and give us your peace. And all the people of God said, amen. Bless your church. Uh, We do have a, a prayer team that would love to pray with you. Have a great week.